Hello and welcome to our Croatia uh, half-term report here on the History of Eagles of Football podcast. Um, and this is, well, as we mentioned in the episodes in the run-up to Christmas, so I was holding back on recording a bit because um, I wanted to let there be a bit of fallout from the World Cup um, for teams to do things, basically. Um, and fallout there certainly has been. Now, there's a couple of things just to say. I am still doing this before the transfer window reopens because the transfer window actually reopens um, after the resumption of play in the in, in, in the higher now. So just very quickly to explain that, there are, there is, sorry, there's one um, holdover from the autumn, a cancelled game, which was Gariccia Varazin, um, which was postponed on the um, final round before the World Cup due to fog, I think it was. Um, it was invisible. It was either invisible or flooded, one of the two. Um, so that is being replayed on the 18th. Now, the transfer window starts on the 19th. So you're in the quite interesting scenario um, in that you will have two teams playing that have um, that will have had players both depart um, but who aren't able to register their new signings um, which yeah is probably for a sporting reason uh, okay purely from the respect that um, that obviously they're playing it with the most similar squads to what would have been available in the first game for the original hosting of this particular fixture. Um, but if you're um, Gariccia, who've signed players, um, for example, Philippe uh, Mishliak, um obviously haven't had anyone join yet, then um, you might be rather annoyed that you've let players go um, and not um, been able to benefit from having players come in, particularly you know, when you consider that two of the people who've gone, Denny Juric, um, whose loan to Dinamo ended, uh, and Alexander Jovic were very regular players at Gariccia. So, <laughs> yes, that's a, it's an interesting situation um, to be in. But that is hardly the only thing that I have to spend a, a decent amount of time explaining, because we have one club under a transfer ban and one club who are just wildly fighting each other um, within the club. So um, we'll start off with a very simple one to explain, which is Ostiek. Um, Ostiek are under transfer embargo um, for unpaid debts to clubs. They're under a transfer embargo for an okay reason, though. Um, you know, generally when you see that sort of thing, you think, "Oh, okay, there must be something really going wrong at the club." There's not. The basic issue is that their new stadium, Pampas, um, was meant to be finished by the end of last year. It uh, was meant to be. Yeah, I think originally the plan was that it would host the final game of the autumn uh, it didn't obviously um, it is now I don't think there's a, a, an exact date on when the 
stadium and when Pampas will be available. He's just going to be at some point during this spring. Um, so, yeah, there's obviously issues there. And what they have done is they've put extra money in. So basically, money that they should have <laughs> been paying other clubs um, for their players. Instead, they've spent on um, getting the stadium ready. So it's not... Uh, it, what it isn't the case is that Osijek are being run horribly or anything like that. It isn't the case that Osijek are in any sort of financial issues. It is just the case that they've made the decision that they want to pump their money into getting the stadium ready rather than doing that. And they were prepared to take the transfer thing on the nose in, 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 in that instance, um, which is... You know, you know, it's quite hard to criticise them for doing that because obviously Pampas is a massive, massive project. Um, you know, it isn't just one big new lovely stadium. It is training um, and everything as well. You know, it is the most will be the most modern thing, uh, the most modern stadium in Croatia, and will be you know the envy of a lot of um, clubs throughout the nation and, and throughout the region. Um, so yes, that's their issue. Um, the other issue is at Dinamo, and this is the one that requires a lot of explaining. Um, you may have known from like the World Cup episodes and things like that, um, that sometimes I just have to go into a 10 minute long explanation of why, um, why things are as they are. Um, because there's nonsense going on. And I think it's really fair to say we're at one of those instances now um, where there is nonsense going on and there does need to be a, 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 an unfortunately long explanation of what precisely said nonsense is. So, as you will all, I'm sure, know if you know anything about Croatian football, um, Dino previously were run by Stravko Mamic. Stravko Mamic, um, for an extremely long time, um, ran the club, uh, filled it up with his cronies, um, <laughs> For want of a better term, and uh, was found guilty of numerous financial irregularities. Um, the money was not just resting in his account, let's put it that way. Um, how they'd done that was um, they put in clauses into player contracts, um, which basically meant that money was being funneled to making Mamic's family, Mamic and his family um, extremely rich. He was originally char arrested and charged over that in 2015 um, and originally convicted of that in 2018, just before the World Cup, um, which, was sent which was sentenced to six and a half years in prison. He then did one. Um, <laughs> the day before being sentenced, he crossed into Bosnia and has basically been living in Mostar, around uh, Mostar ever since, in Medigui. Now, because Mamic has Bosnian citizenship as well as Croatian citizenship, Bosnia will not, are, are not able to, are not able, are not willing, whatever, to actually extradite him. So, as such, he has exerted a level of control over Dinmo remotely which is kind of understandable 
given that a lot of people, most of the people at the club, you know, Strokomaj originally came in as um, director of the club in 2003. You know, most people at the club either had an extremely close relationship with Mamic or were directly personally brought into the club by Mamic. So there's basically a large, um, he was able to still call the shots as it were. Um, but over the intervening four and a half years since his conviction, his influence, it's fair to say, has waned slightly. Um, because ultimately he's not there every day, he's not present, you know, and particularly over um, the pandemic when everyone was, you know, far more used to um, contacting people remotely and so on and so forth, you know, his influence at the club has fallen a bit as the club have done well without him and as some of the uh, people brought in by Mamic to the club have you know, matured in their experience and matured in their ambitions. Um, the clear focal point of this is, is two people specifically. Um, Miko Barisic, who is uh, the chairman of Demo, who has been involved with the club basically forever. Um, <laughs> It, and that's not really that much of an understatement uh, to say that um, Barisic is uh, 87 this year um, and has been part of within Dinamo um, for 55 years now uh, and has been the president of the club since 2000 um, and he has I they say turned against Mamic. Um he has chosen to go on the side of the other person who we're about to mention, which is Kresmir Antonic. Now Kresmir Antonic is um now the main man at the club and has been for a few years. He was brought into Dinamo uh, I think it's twenty twelve. Um, and his background was in the police, um, which for obvious reasons you, you may well consider is a bit of a, an iffy thing to carry on given that um, he was brought into the club by someone who is a very much convicted crim criminal. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, Antolich, I think it's quite hard to describe um, because Antolich, I think it's, it's fair to say, having been brought in by match isn't necessarily, you know, whiter than white. Um, and I don't want to give the impression that, you know, what's going on at Dinamo is, you know, a battle between the big evils, Draco Mamich, and innocent little, you know, Innocent little lads. It isn't at all. Um, Antolich is a very extremely well connected um, and pretty ruthless guy um, who has slowly but surely usurped Strafko Mamic's position at the club um, because the big thing about Antolich is that is that he is as well connected as he is. You know, it's not just 
well connected within the police department in the Zagreb and he has obviously that's where he's come from he's um, well connected through politics as well um, now that is a really big thing at the moment because as we know from the World Cup Dino stand to make a ton of money um, specifically they stand to make a ton of money because a lot of their players are now uh, increasing in value due to uh, their success at the World Cup. You know, Dominic Lubakovic, uh, Misa Vosic, who we've seen, who we'll mention a bit more later. Um, the potential sales uh, to uh, Josko Gvardiol, who's uh, got a very nice um, sell on fee within there. Um, so that's one element, Dinamo are about to make a lot of money. The second element is that Dinamo are looking to get a new stadium. Um, Maximir, of course, was damaged in the earthquake um, in 2020. They've not been able to fill it since um, for safety reasons. They have an entire stand which is out of order. Now, it's been left out of order because it is, quite simply, um, a really good bargaining chip to hold over people if you um, can say, well, we actually really, really, really need this new stadium because um, our old one is falling down. Um, so it's been left as that to basically for political, for political reasons, quite simply. Um, and the success of Croatia in the World Cup, the success politically of attaching yourself to football success in Croatia or just sporting success in general um, have meant that there are you know really firm plans to build new stadiums in the country. It's fair to say that there were also similar plans in 2018 after the World Cup then. They appear to be more there appears to be more in the way of certainty about them this time around. Uh, or at least more in the way of um, commitment to doing it imminently from the government. Um, which is where Stravko Mamic comes in. Um, because one big thing that, um, unsurprisingly, the politicians in Croatia and at the Croatian FA and at UEFA who would go into funding as well, one thing they don't like is you could be run from a distance by a convicted criminal. Um, fair enough. Uh, I think you have to say on that. Um, so there has been, so the World Cup therefore has brought to a head um, two factors, which is the need for Dino to get Stravko Mamic out of the club and the personalities of um, Kristijan and Mikko Barisic in ha basically becoming the forefront of opposition to manage at the club um, because ultimately they get it you know um, they get that to get what Dinamo want to be a big club for the future then they need to they need to have a better public image than they do now and that is a really big factor for them you know we're not talking about um 
you know, a couple of million being invested in the club here by the government. You know, we're talking tens of millions of pounds, uh, of euros even, because they're in the they're on the euro now. Um, tens of millions of euros being invested in the club um, to bring you know what will be the showpiece stadium for the entire nation. They aren't going to invest that in a club which is being run by someone who is a fugitive from justice. That just isn't going to happen. So, at so um, now we get into the um, technical bits of it. In December, there was a executive assembly of the club. There are basically Dinamo are run membership-wise on a tricameral basis. So, executive, the executive, which is Anthony Barisic, etc., is about thirteen of them. Executive assembly, which is about seventy people, and then the general assembly, which is all members but really you're talking about it being a few, a few hundred people um, the executive assembly had held a meeting uh, and put forward a vote of no confidence in Kresmir Antelich it was a very rowdy meeting um, and it is currently being investigated as to whether what they proposed there was, is even legal um, because apparently there were people missing, apparently there were people very drunk um, it's wasn't necessarily run ordinarily and that is something that the city of Zagreb are looking into as to whether or not um, you know anything that actually came out of it can be enforced but the main thing that came out of it was that 40 or 41 people voted to say that they had no confidence in Kresimir Antelich those 41 people are we can essentially say are the Mamich block um, and the, the remainder are the, the Antelich Barisic block um, this then went on to the executive I said there's about 13 people there, um, which refused to ratify it and said, no, we, we have confidence in Antelich, um, so go away. Um, that then meant that um, there was a possibility that there could be an EGM, an extraordinary general meeting, which would then be the full membership. Um, but that hasn't been called because there's meant to be executive elections and so forth through the membership and the annual general meeting in March anyway so um, because the statutes say that an EGM could be called in up to two months from being um, advised of basically quite and quite understandably people have taken on that there's no point in asking for an EGM because the AGM will be there anyway um, which is why we're on the legal stuff with um, now, because what they're looking to do is, um, I have to say what is what the Antelich Barisich block want to happen is that they say that this meeting of the Executive Assembly, which um, put no confidence in Antelich, was not regular. It can't be considered legal. It can't be considered binding. And then it all, it doesn't all just go away. But it gives everyone a bit more breathing space and, and, and cools the temperature a bit. Uh, aside from it won't cool the temperature in um, New Year uh, because traffic and manage will still be very annoyed. So, with all that clarified, um, the very TLDR of that, um, and I realised that that was another like 10 odd minute explanation of what exactly is going on at Dinamo at the minute, is that there is a lot of money to be made at Dinamo. Stravko Mamic would like to make it, uh, personally, <laughs> and um, people at the club wouldn't like to make it, wouldn't like him to be benefiting from it, and realise that there is a very pressing political reason 
for him not to be involved in the club. Um, the blocks are broadly um, you know, quite difficult to determine because so many people at the club were brought in by Mamic. Uh, you know, the reason why there was a voting block that could um, push through uh, a, a no confidence vote in was because, you know, Mamic brought everyone in. Uh, and a lot of people still feel that they owe a personal debt to their, of their progress to him. Uh, and it's important also to note that, you know, since then there has been a public statement um, of executive assembly members demanding the resignation of Antelic and, uh, and so forth and that had you know a lot of really familiar names on there um, you know I'm not going to go through the names that are you know people who you would be familiar if you follow the backroom machinations of Dinamo for a long time there's all those usual suspects um, but you know also guys like Tomislav Rukovina, uh, Stepan Deverich, uh, manager of Maribor, Damir Kiersner, um, who I would say would have been well advised to just not get involved in the matters of another club, uh, and, and, and others. Um, 45 names on that all in all. So yeah, there's still a long way to run in this. Um, certainly at least until March when it all has to come to a head at the annual general meeting um, and that will be one really to keep an eye on because that will decide the future of Dinamo uh, and it will decide you know, in, in many ways the direction of Croatian football um, because and I, you know, I, I, as I've said it a couple of times before I will say it again the Croatian government are not going to give di something that benefits Dinamo to the tune of tens of millions of euros if they feel that that money is going to directly be benefiting a guy who is a fugitive from justice uh, and UEFA won't and the Croatian FA won't. Instead, they will go and give the money to Hajduk. Um, or they will go and give the money to Rijeka and you will see a lovely um, rebuild of Poljud. You might even see a lovely rebuild of Stadiplac. You'll see a lovely rebuild of Kan uh, You know. There's plenty of projects in Croatia which want the money that that wouldn't be spent on Dinamo if um, Mamic ends up, you know, some monopolising power from afar at the club, uh, and yeah, and that pretty much explains that. And I realise that's a long explanation of of what's meant to be sort of like a half-term podcast on how people have done through the season, and we've not talked about how anyone's done during the season yet. Um, <laughs> Um, so yes, I probably should get on to the actual main bulk of stuff, um, which um, yes, I'm, I mean we may as well start at Dinamo. Uh, we've gone bottom to top in the others. Let's go top to bottom in this. Dinamo sit six points clear with a game in hand on Hajduk, um, and a very comfortable. Uh, it has to be said, Com so comfortable in fact that they've been able to. Com I don't think it's. Uh, entirely at the time of recording, I's dotted, T's crossed, and stuff. But Misa Vosic will be leaving the club and joining Southampton. Um, the yeah, in four and a half years at the club, it was twenty eighteen. He joined. Uh, yeah, four and a half years at the club, he has become you know arguably the best left winger ever to play for them. Um, 
certainly in terms of his impact to the club. Um, you know, few can deny just how impressive he's been. Um, you know, certainly his work rate, his qualities enabled you know originally Danny Olmo to move inside and you know to to really flourish at Dinamo. Um, you know, prior to Orsic joining, if you watched Danny Olmo, he was quite a frustrating player to watch. Um, you knew the talent was there, but it wasn't quite delivered as it was once Orsic came in. Um, individually, of course, he scored in both uh, Champions League playoff games this season, scored the winner against Chelsea. Um, do I need to mention Spurs and West Ham having scored quite important goals against as well? Um, his signing of a new contract in January last year, I think arguably you could probably attribute last season's title to that um, because straight after he signed it, he went on his best patch of form of the entire season. Um, basically winning games for them. Um, you know, I was going through this um, when the rumour first came out and just looking at the winners he scored last year, you could probably attribute just in the spring alone 10 or 12 points just to Orsic's contribution. And that, <laughs> that was the difference between finishing first and second last season. That's how big keeping Orsic was. And the reason that he's going now is twofold. One, when he signed that, Dino did say to him, if someone comes in with a good offer, we will let you go. You know, really big thank you for staying with us. Big thank you for winning this title. Thank you for, you know, getting us 25 million odd um, for in prize money. Um, plus, you know, whatever's going to be your fee, uh, we'll let you go. And secondly, because there isn't a credible challenger this season. And that's the really big point. Um, they are happy, Dino to do a bit of a rebuild mid-season this time around. They weren't this time last year. Uh, the reason they're happy to do that is because, as so we indicated, they are potentially going to get a lot of money. Um, or is 8 million. Um, you also have the potential moves of Bruno Petkovic, uh, Josip Sutalo, Dominic Lovakovic, uh, anyone who was in the Croatia side of the World Cup, basically. You know, if Lovakovic goes, You've got Ivan Nevesic there, ready to take over. Nevesic is a quality keeper. Um, and we all know that. Um, if Josip Sutolo goes, well, you've got Bosco Sutolo at the club, even though he has um, sort of missed a lot of time due to injury in the first half of the season. He's ready. Um, Orsic goes. Dario Spikic has come through brilliantly. Petar Bokai has been you know, great at the club so far. Antonio Marin has uh, really come on over the past 12 months. If Bruno Pekovic goes, well, he doesn't really score that many goals anyway, so you've got Joseph Dimic doing that for you. And it gives you money to go and do the things you want to do, um, such as try and sign Lasso Kleinheiser from Osijek, try and sign Dionne Berlio from Osijek, and many more. Um, the reality is Dinamo have won this title. Um, you know, Even though it's six points, even though there's half a season to go and so on and so forth, if they fail to win the title, it would be a massive, massive, massive surprise. Uh, they are the best side in attack. They are the best side defensively. They are, under Ante Kacic, um, an interesting side to watch, unlike last season where they were, they were top, but they were just an absolute slog um, of a side um, that were absolutely joyless. Um, not to put too fine a point on that. Um, you know, they've only lost one game all season. That was to Osijek. Um, yeah, 
it is very difficult to argue against them and you know in the last game of the autumn they absolutely hammered Rijeka 7-2 so yeah Dinamo are going to win the title I don't really think there's too many doubts about that um, you know we just were, as we mentioned their game in hand their game in hand is against Istra that hasn't yet been rearranged for a date um, sorry it has um, it's March uh, mid-March so why that one is taking place after they can buy players and why Garicha's one isn't I don't know um, it's not like anyone ha <laughs> it's not like they have more um, obligations or anything like that you know they've got the exact same obligations it's weird anyway um, yeah Dinamo because they're able to listen you know if you're talking about a half term report uh, might actually give a grade for the first time in any of these half term reports you know you really have to give it an A because they got to the Champions League group which is what they needed to do they got a win in the Champions League group even if they didn't uh, drop into the Europa League I, I think you can live with that um, you know they'll sleep quite soundly under their big pile of money um, and they've got themselves into a position where they can really be thinking forwards rather than patching a side together which is what they were doing this time last year um, you know there are questions at the club um, you know Luki Vanasic uh, his form he's, he's just sort of stalled in his development um, they need to get Martin Badurina into the squad more. Um, you know he is clearly uh, really the future of the club, and um, you know he, he should be starting every game. And he's not quite been trusted there. You know we didn't see him much in the Champions League, uh, for in, in, for instance. Um, so there is some advancing to do there. Um, you know there is some deadwood at the club um, well, no doubt about that you know Kevin Thiefer Catherine um, is 33 now uh, it's time for him to be going on somewhere um, Salih Mararami uh, had a decent World Cup for Iran but has never really been that good at Dino I don't think there's much doubt about that um, there's bits and bobs of business for them to be getting on with uh, I think it's, it's the long and short of it they have a buffer zone to be able to do that uh, and if ever there was a, a transfer window where they can absolutely bring in a ton of cash it was this it's it's this one um, which you know I, I sort of hinted earlier is why there's been the angster in in the background of the club because everyone knows there's a lot of money on the table here um, but yes that is Dinamo um, who I think probably, probably almost as always are the team because of the size of them you have to spend quite a bit of the time talking about but they're also kind of the least interesting to talk about because there's not that much going on um, <laughs> most of the time um, one side but there is definitely a lot going on it's Hyduk. Um so as you know um, Valas Dombrovskas uh, left the club in the autumn uh, Mirsav Kalogla uh, came in as a, sort of an interim manager um, for the remainder of the autumn and did all right. I uh, don't think there's any doubt about that. You know, Hydrocar still um, only six, well, six slash a net nine behind Dino. So, you know, they're within the realms of possibility, if not the realms of probability, of being able to put forward a title challenge. Um, but they gave everyone, they gave they did two big things to round off 2022. The first big thing, Stipe Bielk moved from the club to LAFC 
that's no, not the galaxy it's it's the other one the one where gareth bale is um and it's important to know with that because uh, there's been a few articles about the deal i think there's a lot of shock about it uh, when it originally came it's like what is Bjork doing going there um when you sort of look further into the background of the deal um you know there was stuff that was arranged with bruges um which is reportedly um that fell through because they couldn't move on the player to move Buk in um there were bundesliga clubs interested uh Serie A clubs interested um as probably Sampdoria uh there was a Russian club which apparently put up a lot of money to um to try and convince Buk to move there uh, and LAFC quite simply had the best package for his development uh, I, I think it was quite clear from what was on the table there um, there was a long-standing interest um, you know they went for him in the summer and then over the autumn you had people from the club people from LAFC come to split come and meet with um, Buk and Book's representatives uh, and deliver the best pitch to sell the club to him and that Buk has moved to LAFC you know the more you actually hear about it actually the more convincing uh, a move it is I have to say um, I was really surprised about it when it originally came out but you know when you hear about how the lengths that LAFC have gone to um, you know something like the second biggest fee ever spent by an MLS club um, the level they've gone to convince him to make a move to the MLS rather than to a top five league um, you know I think you can certainly really understand why he's chosen to go to LA rather than to um, rather than to uh, uh, Verona or Sampdoria quite simply and, de and definitely rather than going to Russia at the minute uh, so yeah that was shock one shock two was new manager new year's eve ivan leko came into the club ivan leko of course former manager of club bruges <laughs> um, amongst others um having just mentioned bruges um and uh, let's be quite honest an excellent manager of bruges um so background leuven saint uh club bruges then a short spell in saudi with alain uh time half season with Antwerp then uh, two years making a lot of money in China with Shanghai Port um, save for San Kruiden his um, win percentage at every single club he's been at has been over 50% um, with Club Bruges obviously won the Pro League uh, with Antwerp won the Belgian Cup and took them into the last 16 of the Europa League um, you know even beating spurs within that um and yeah I, I, I mean it's about as good a signing of a manager as you could possibly make uh, and he would not be coming to the club if there was not the guarantee that stuff would be going on i think that's a really important thing to to, to make clear this isn't um bringing a manager in and saying right here you go just get on with it uh, and work with what you've got. He will not <laughs> have come to this club um, if that was 
the offer that was made by President Lukasiewicz. Um, it means Heidek are going to be doing things, um, and it, it's a good match for Leko. Um, it really, you've got to perceive this as an eighteen-month job. Um, the first six months is getting his system and everything embedded in the club, and next season is a season where they have to go all out for the title. Um, and if they are able to do that, then come the twenty twenty-four World Cup, uh, you have the end of Zlatko Dalic's contract currently. Ivan Leko then is the man who takes over Croatia and there's absolutely no you know if you're looking long term as to what his career path should be that's got to be what he's looking at because if you win the title with Hajduk uh, you know either this season or next season you, know, you are talking about it being an achievement that's on par with Dinamo's uh, title win in 82 uh, as to how utterly legendary this generation of Hajduk would be um, and what it would do to your reputation, you know. Um, I'm putting Leko there on a potential historic career path with Ciro uh, Blazevic. That's kind of where you have to put your head at uh, to think about this particular uh, feat that Hajduk are embarking upon. If we talk about immediate things. Um, then obviously the big thing you have to talk about is that Hadik do need a few a couple of reinforcements. Uh, Lovely Kalinic blew his knee out in the final game prior to the, um, the World Cup break, um, which probably um, robbed him of uh, a, a squad place at Qatar, uh, unfortunately for him. Um, you know, even if it was just going to be his, his third keeper potentially, um, he. He's probably out for the season. Um, I think there are a couple of hopes he might be back for the very end, but you know, it, it, it's an injury. I think you know, <laughs> let's give him the expectation that um, it will be the rest of the season he'll miss. Um, which means that as things currently stand, Carol Santich would be coming in as the uh, main man in between the posts for Hajduk. Um, so he uh, was on loan at Valencia. Uh, for all of last season um, and has played quite a bit um, has, has made quite a few appearances uh, in the league so he has certainly uh, the quality to, to turn up and do something uh, but it is a, a big ask for a young keeper obviously to walk straight into a title challenging side um, otherwise um the squad is in pretty decent shape, um, you know, it, and they have had a reasonably successful six months compared to uh, others in the league, um, compared to Osijek in particular, and compared to Rijeka massively. Um, we know what their qualities are. I think we know what their weaknesses are, really. Um, with Stipe Biak gone, uh, it means City will really have to have to, have to step up. Um, although, you know, I think Bjork's um, production was such that it's going to be irreplaceable for the club by any means. Um, they they don't really have any weaknesses. The, the key thing will be fitting into Ivan Neko's format. Um, and, you know, for all, I'm having a conversation doing the half-term report now, it's probably a bit early uh, to know exactly what he wants to do 
with the club and with the players that are there. If I was him, you know, I think there are things to um, to do to take the load off Marco Luvaya a bit. Um, you know, Nikola Kalinic hasn't worked really. Uh, Jan Mlakar has done better than I expected, but um, I still don't expect him to. Um, he, he's still not a great player, <laughs> um, you know, um, and with only four goals and 16 appearances this season, okay, you know, he's only played you know, really the a minute amount of about half the games. Uh, it's not, it's not the return Hajduk need. Um, it's not enough to say that if Marco Levaya, you know, was out for three months, that uh, I wouldn't be in big trouble. So there's something needed there. Um, there still are, I think, a couple of question marks around the midfield. Um, but yeah, I, you know, you you really you are looking at what. Lico can do for them rather than what they can do for Lico uh, in, in terms of what Hajduk do next. Ostiek. Um, Ostiek, obviously, as indicated earlier, uh, are very limited in what they can do. Um, see, they had uh, Neabilita as manager uh, originally. Uh, he was he left the club in September. Uh, Rene Poms is running the show now um, and what if we look at the positives uh, Dion Dreyne Berrio has come on again uh, you know we know he was excellent last season uh, at, uh, at Istra and he's been excellent this season um, you know I, I personally if you've listened to this podcast before I think he should have gone to Qatar um, certainly his form I think demanded it um, and he would have offered a very good option though let's be quite honest uh, they did still get third in the World Cup so um, I, I, I think I'll defer to like a Darch's judgment on that maybe um, they missed uh, Christian Ulfrich for the entire first half of the season um, after an abdominal injury required surgery and a long time to recover he will be back um, for the spring and hopefully you know can actually make an impact uh, unlike last spring uh, and they really need him to, uh, I think it's fair to say. Uh, but they are in a bit of a muddle, I think it's fair to say. Um, you know, the form hasn't been amazing. Uh, they are still third. Uh, they are still in touch uh, at the top. Um, 11 points behind Demo. A lot of their uh, form, a lot of their points dropped was uh, were early. Um, you know, we talk about um, their sort of starts the season, you know, the peak reacher, then th- didn't win the next five games, and that includes losing to Lokomotiva, drawing South and Blupo, losing to Istra, drawing against Varazdin, and then getting whipped by Dinamo. Um, they still have had poor results um, since. The penultimate result of the um, autumn was a 3 1 loss to. Hajduk and Hajduk were much better that day. Uh, you know, Hajduk were absolutely miles ahead of them. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, so there's big work for Lenny Palms to do, and there's not any money to do it with unless there are sales. And that's really what we have to talk about with Istra. Sorry, with Istra? With Ostiak, my word. Um, is who's going to go? Um, 
the main links have been see Adrian Leon Barisic, um, the defender, uh, who's been expected to depart. Um, Dakarin Yasmich, I think, I believe there's been some interest in him as well. Russell Kleinheiser, his contract is up in the summer. Um, the question is whether or not he will go now rather than going for, or going for free in the summer. The reason I, ask, I state that is because the contract negotiations have been conducted quite publicly. Um, Kleinheiser wants half a million a year. Osiek wants to give him 300,000 a year. So there's a, quite a large gap um, in expectation. Kleinheiser has been linked with Dino and with Hyduck. Um, both of whom would, I'm sure, love to have such an energetic player, and it would be very weird to see him not in an Osiek strip, to be quite honest. Um, it doesn't seem like there's going to be any real um, rapprochement there. Um, and obviously, up front, Dion uh, Dorinibelio has been linked away for you know, the past six months. Uh, Ramon Mieres has been linked away. Also, we will see with both with well with both those with all of those as to what exactly is going to happen next much akin to Hyduck really Osiek has to be looking towards next year um, because this transfer window is going to be a write-off unless they make a big sale um, you know, what they would have to do is make a big sale pay everyone off and then reinvest it straight away um, which is quite a big ask um, to do in the space of a couple of weeks um, which is the situation that they would end up in. Um, yeah, it's quite difficult to see, to see with them really where they go for the remainder of this season. I think just maintaining things is going to be about as much as they can expect and then hope to really go for it next season once um, the uh, once Pan Pass is open, the debts are paid, which they should be fairly swiftly as soon as they make a sale. Um, as I say, you know, this isn't a long-term issue with Osiek. This is a, a short-term money flow. Um, and just making sure the money is where it needs to be to get the things that need to be done, done. Um, and really, if we're if we're honest, we've talked about Barisic, Niasmic, Mieres, Berlio. There's maybe one, maybe two sales they need to make and that will cover everything and leave them with a bit to spare. Um, so we will see with that. They do have work they need to do uh, on the squad. There's no doubt about that. But again, you know, that is going to be an end of season job. It is not a right now job. Um, the right now job is getting Pampas built and making sure they're in Europe next season, and which I don't think there's any doubt uh, that they will be. Um, so really, they can sort of afford to write off this season a bit. Uh, already which leads us to the team in fourth um, and the team in fourth are of course the team you wouldn't entirely expect to be fourth um, because they always finish uh, in the same position in the league don't they uh, and that is Slavin Belupo who <laughs> defied the fact that on paper they had the weakest looking side in the entire <laughs> league at the start of the season who have defied the fact that they always finish seventh to be fourth and to be making room for Europe. Um, they defied a lot of things this season um, because 
they have the second worst XGA in the league and they have the third worst XG in the league. There is absolutely no sensible reason why they should be fourth in the league. Um, aside from there being some weirdness going on somewhere. Um, so, yeah. Um, I don't really know. Where, t where on earth do you start with Slavon Bubo this season? I don't honestly know. Um, you can only first give them a heck of a lot of credit um, for being able to put together a good... It's not even a good side, is it? Being able to put together an effective side. Um, that's what they are, an effective side. Um, with so many disparate parts that shouldn't work. Um, you know, let's be quite honest. Um, they have a centre forward who's 40 now. Uh, happy birthday for um, the 5th of January for Ivan Kisanovic, legend. Um, they have brought career best efforts from Arvid Hocha, who didn't really, didn't do badly uh, to Lokomotiva last season, but didn't do enough really um but he has been really good this season um and you know i think one of the things with to mention with hotcha is hotcha has delivered the quality that we saw in kosovo before his injury um if you don't know hotcha was um meant to make a big move but then blew his knee out and missed a year um and then ended up at Lokomotiva on a bit of a flyer really and has ended up at Slavon Bilupa and he's done really 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 well um, that's important to say uh, what Zoran Zekic has done is he's done what you expect Zoran Zekic to do which is to bake a side dangerous in wide areas um, and to keep it simple I think that's the real thing with um, Zekic's sides is they, they do just keep it simple they don't do anything massively um, impressive they just are a horribly effective and awkward side uh, to play um, you know they ha are still consistently nowhere near the best sides in the division uh, you know they played Dinamo Dinamo beat them 5-1 4-1 um, Hajduk 5-1 and 2 all to round off the autumn Osijek 0-0 uh, and 4-0 um, but aside from that they're the only side who are consistently beating the, the sides below them um, you know they've only had 5 draws this season you know, 1 against Osijek, 1 against uh, Hajduk fair enough but Lokomotiva, Gorica uh, and um, you know, again those are good results so they're okay results um, they're not dropped points uh, and that's I think what Slavin have done really well this season that they've not done in previous seasons is you know normally they draw a lot of games they haven't this year um, you know they were a bit of a, a a meme last season we'll get onto a team that was a meme this season as well you know they have an old they have, they have an old experienced side um, that are hard to beat and that's a big thing for you to have and that's say they've been able to corral that into getting positive results getting three points rather than one point 
And while you know, if you're talking about expected points, I don't think anyone does an expected points table. Um, but if you're talking about expected points, you know, it probably isn't 26 points. It's probably about 15. Um, and the more way you'd expect them to be. Um, can they keep it up? It's quite difficult to say, but I think given the weakness of other sides, um, this is already a very good season for them. The, the, there's no doubt about that. Um, they have good players at the club. Uh, you know, I've mentioned Albert Hocha, but also Ante Chilnak uh, is a, a really promising right winger. Um, and we'll see with them as we go on through this season if they can keep it up but they don't I think the big thing for them is they don't have to keep it up um, and they aren't the rollovers that we thought they would be at the start of this season and particularly you know, you've got to bear in mind they have the money from Lovrosonic in, in the bank account you know, they can do things um, and they also have quite a big squad uh, as well um, you know, there's a lot of bets in there that don't have to pay off for them to carry on their form. Um, yeah, they're just, they're admirable, um, which is something that you would rarely accuse Slavin Bilbo of being, they're, but they're, they're, they're admirable, um, we'll give them that. Varazine, uh, round off the top half of the table. Um, they're four points behind Slavin, um, who are themselves four points behind Ostiak in third. Um, and this is the point where things start getting fairly close together in terms of the league table um, because the between 5th and ninth, there's 9 points separating them and um, when we get to the ninth side the, we'll obviously mention the very unique reason why they're ninth. Um, Phanacene yeah you can't really complain too much about um, coming up and being clear of trouble, which is what they are. Um, they've been able to get, to, I think three things have um, helped, which is three career best seasons so far uh, from Michele Segal, uh, Fran Brodic, and in particular, Tonio Teklic. Tonio Teklic has been flipping amazing this season. Um, you know, I think it's important that you, you have um, this sort of attacking four um, that can be an attacking three um, of Brodic, of uh, Deklic and Segal. And they've been able to rotate them fairly well depending on what the um, particular task is at hand. Um, you know, we saw their cup game against Osijek, you know, there was really quite a lot of rotation in that particular game. Uh, and it's kept them competitive and kept them able to ensure that they have a good size available for the games they need them to be available for. Um, if we look at their most recent win, you know, which was beating uh, Sibenik, not a lot of sides have done that this season, um, as we'll mention, um, you know, okay, Teklic got sent off, but he was yeah, very good but he was bossing the game for a period um, for Brodic gets his goal uh, from the spot okay 
Um, but he's been effective in the air. He is that good technical player that we've always known he was. He didn't really show it at Grigio last season. He didn't really get the chances to show it at Grigio last season. Varastin have given him those chances and he's flourished for it. Um, for Sego and for Teklic, these guys who have had bits and bobs of chances in the division before, but never really been given the full confidence of a side like um, like they've had um, this season. Uh, and they've repaid that confidence, there's no doubt about that. Now, that said, uh, I don't think it's all positive. Um, you know, they aren't a great side, there's no doubt about that. You, know, you look at them at the back, and you're looking at, at guys who do have black marks against them. Yoko Palumbi can be a bit rash. Um, Marin Pil, you know, was terrible at Olympia last season, so it was a lot of so were a lot of people. Um, they also have a lot of young players, so they're kind of similar to Slavon Belupo in so much as they've got a lot of players who are bets. Uh, Agon Nesi uh, is a good one, Carlo Lisevec, uh, and, and, and so on and so forth. They're an interesting side to watch, they're an interesting side to keep an eye on. They can get fourth um, because Slavin are, Slavin Bilipo are due, due, really due a, um, a reversal in form at some point. But, um, you know, this is, and it's also fair to say you know, they have a good opportunity to get three points against Garicha before everyone else kicks off. And if they're able to do that, then you're talking about them only being one point behind Slavin, and we'll see. We'll see how they do. Istra! Um, Istra sits uh, in sixth, um, which is a big positive for them. And I think it's also fair to say that they've done some quite interesting business um, over the winter already, um, because they've a couple of players who are coming back. Um, so if you don't know Istra, they have this uh, owned by the Basconia group, who own Alaves, um, and uh, if players do well, at Easter, they tend to go to Alaves, uh, or I think it is just Alaves actually in the group now. Um, and if they don't do great there, then they come back. Um, which means that Abdullahi Mahmoud has come back to Easter uh, over the winter. He was a real standout last season, a little bit rash in the tackle, um, I thought, but um, otherwise, you know, really good. Um, a really good energetic midfielder. There's also the potential. Um, I've heard that Taichi Hara is coming back and Taichi Hara was a he only scored a couple of goals but he was such a fun player to watch um, in during the pandemic years um, at Istra uh, if he's come on and he has you know he's spent last year on loan at, at Sintrodin um, but hasn't really had uh, been given a chance at Alaves I think it's fair to say um, if he comes back, that's a really big pickup for Istra because he is a really good central striker. Um, we'll obviously see with that one, but you know it's just good for them to have uh, Mahmoud back. They have a really good front line. It, it, it's fair to say, um, you know, Ante Acheg back from you know, his, his own knee exploding uh, a little while while back has been in really good form. Monsef Bakla has been a really good pickup as well. Um, you know, has really impressed a lot of people, I think it's fair to say. Um, and yeah, 
you have this mix of players who've been there for a while, like such as Ina Galilea, who kind of get Istra now, um, and who provide a little bit of consistency in a squad which, because of the ownership nature of the club, is naturally extremely fluid. Um, but you know you have to like things. Uh, you have to like some of the, the players there. You know, Advan Kalasic, a player who watched plenty at Zalia. You know, a really good uh, pickup there. You know, some of the uh, pickups they've had from Hajduk, Luka Bedaric, uh Tomislav Dudniak, who's um, coming from Dinamo. You know, were, were really promising players, um, and you have. A surprisingly nice mix of um, experience and youth at the club, and it's tied together by Gonzalo Garcia in the in the dugout, who you know again provides this element of permanence uh, within the side that you don't expect from uh, a, a side which has to be as fluid as Easter's business model forces them to be. Now. All that said, um, I'll stop being positive about Easter now. Um, they got caught cold at the start of the season. Um, the loaning of Bartol Barisic really didn't work and he went to Domzal uh, straight away, pretty much. Um, they don't score much at all. Um, they're one of those sides you get in every league, every year, who don't score that many, but don't concede that many too. So they end up kind of just being in the middle and being there. Um, that said, there is another side who qualify for this and we'll get to them in, in a few minutes. Um, they have been able to pick up bits and bobs of points on the sides around them. Um, you know, they've done, they managed to beat Osijek, um, beat uh, Grigia, beat Slaven, uh, which not too many sides have done this season. Um, and just get a few results here and there that are going to be more than enough to keep them out of trouble. Easter are, um, you know, dare you say, they're just mainstays of the league at this point now. Uh, and this isn't a season where they're going to be in any trouble at all. And because of that, you know, you have to classify it as a successful season for them. Um, there are definitely at least two worse sides than Easter. And that's about all they'll ever concern themselves with uh, in any season, uh, is not being in danger of relegation. And they're not in danger of relegation. Uh, this time around. Also not in danger of relegation as Lokomotiva, um, who I think we can probably whiz through Lokomotiva to be quite honest, because there's not too much to say about them. Um, See, so they missed Lucas Kashvinder uh, for the entire autumn, uh, who I think broke his leg um, at uh, very early, uh, broke his leg in the summer is what I meant to say. Um, so had to miss everything. <clears throat> They'll certainly be better for that. Um, as you kind of expect from Lokomotiva, they've brought players through well. Um, Sandro Kulenovic, I think he's probably found his level, really, with Lokomotiva um, in, in being an effective uh, frontman. Um, Silvio Gorsham is one who's come through, been at Lokomotiva for a wee bit longer. Um, who has had you know, a really positive season. Indra Tucci obviously missed a lot of time um, with ligament issues um, over the past couple of years. Um, has come back and been able to contribute positively as well. And 
you know, Luka Stojkovic is another player <laughs> who is very good. Um, they have a lot of very good players. They will be better for having Kashavanda back. Um, there are things that they can improve. I still do not like their goalkeeping situation, um, if we're being entirely honest. Um, and I think that is what really will hold them back from having any ambitions of trying to catch up with the likes of Slavin Um I don't think they're good enough at the back. Um, you know, their 29 goals conceded is the worst in the league. Uh, so even though they do score more than enough to make sure they're never going to be in any hope of trouble, um, you know, they also concede way too many. And the points have been earned in bunches. I think it's also fair to point that out. Um, you know, they've had two runs of three defeats on the bounce, um, but managed to pick up from the last four games eight points, uh, which puts a bit of a gloss on it. Uh, it's fair to say. But, you know, they're going to be much better with Kasha Vander back. There's, there's, no, there's no doubt about that. Um, and I don't, ha much like Easter, I don't have any fear for them, um, which is the kiss of death, no doubt. Um, one team who, for a lot of the season, we have had a lot of fear about are Rijeka. Now, they've had a mad season, haven't they? Um, so... <laughs> Let's try and explain Rijeka's season. Okay, well now they've got Sergei Kudovic in charge, which is a real good start. Um, because Yukovic did very well in his time in Bosnia, he did very well at uh, Gorica. He did very badly at um, Maribor, but there were reasons there, and I think it's probably fair to say that a lot of people haven't done very well in Maribor recently. Um, they started the season with this sort of two-headed monster of Dragan Tadic and Vasta Budicin um, in charge, neither of whom worked out, um, and so Rijeka started the season really poorly. Um, they then felt, Damian Miskovic felt, that the solution to that would be to bring in Serse Cosme, um, who lasted two months at the club, and it, I mean, let's be honest, it was two very entertaining months. Um, because as we know with Cosme, he is very short-tempered, and very keen, and very excitable, and all this and that and the other. And he was all that at Rijeka, there's absolutely no doubt about that. He turned the dressing room against him very, very quickly with some of the things he said, and didn't last long, because there was no way a man who, firstly, wasn't really performing uh, and who was also as eager to annoy people as he was was ever going to last too long at the club um, and even though there were signs of a bit more commitment it just seems like he hated the players and um, he hated the situation and he just hated being there um, and that there is a feeling that that um, was something that was mutual <laughs> with Sergei Kurovic they can't really get worse than they were um, you know they have a good squad there's no doubt about that you know Nedley Kurovic is a very good goalkeeper and um, you know you look at the back of players who've got a lot of experience of Havaski Djokovic last season um, you know Nico Galicic we know is decent Ivan Smotrich we know is decent Filip Brad we know is decent Alan Gugic we know is decent Bruno Goda we know 
is decent. There's lots at the back um, that make you think they will do a lot better than having conceded 27 goals in the first half season, um, which is the second worst record in the division, um, behind, just behind Lokomotiva. When you talk about them creatively, you know, Mario Vrancic is a really good player. Alan Halilovic is a really good player. We know that. Um, but Akalicja, this was meant to be a very big season for him and still can be. Uh, Matej Vuk, you know, yeah, again, the list is endless, really, as to how many decent players they have at the club. But what they probably don't have is a proper central striker to get them a bunch of goals. Um, Halilovic has sort of been playing off Obregon some of the time. Obregon um, doesn't hit the target enough for me. Um, and Halilovic is Halilovic <laughs> um, and not a striker. You know, they have had impressive performances at times. Um, and a lot of this has been due to Mitya Frigan, um, sorry, Matja Frigan, even, um, being able to step up and get some goals. But they, that's, that's the position they, they lack, is that consistent, reliable goal scorer. Uh, and it's fair to say one thing Yakirovic was good at identifying at, um, at both Zunitsky and uh, at Gorica is identifying big lumps up front who can contribute um, with some goals. Um, you know, not least um, Sheikh Indier was uh, as a good example of that. We'll see. I think, you know, again, a bit like High Duck, this rest season is probably a bit of a write off for them, although they do need to have their wits about them a bit more than High Duck do. Um, they need a few. They need a goal scorer, there's no doubt about that. Um, but they just need stability. That's all they need for the, re for the rest of the season. They have a nice quiet year. I think they'll be absolutely happy with that. Um, what Yukirovic doesn't have is a fun re-entry. Uh, you know, they open away at Osijek, then away at Sibenik, then away at Hajduk. Um, which, you know, you could easily come out of that with just the one point. Um, and the reason you could easily come out with that with just the one point is because the only thing Sibinik do is draw games. Seriously. I'm going to have to talk about them now. Seriously, it's ridiculous. What the heck? In 17 games, Sibinik have won one, drawn 10. 10! <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> Sides aren't meant to do this. To uh, you know, they literally they won the one game they won was against Lokomotiva in July, and you can sit here and say, "Oh, well, they went the rest of the autumn without winning a game." Yeah, but they went the rest of the autumn still picking up nine points just through draws, um, which included five draws in a row against Osijek, Hajduk, Rijeka, Gorica, Lokomotiva, and you know three of those points you probably didn't expect to get against the first three of those sides. Um, but yeah, it's madness. It is just madness, and it defies any sort of hope of explanation. Um, they aren't a very good side, There's, but they get these weird... I don't even know how... How do you even explain it? Let's be honest. Um, the top goal scorer only has two, which is Duya Chop, which is probably, if you watched him for Celia last season, two more than you'd expect him to get at this level anymore. Um, they had, you know, potential 
positives um, you know in terms of Bergui, uh coming in uh, after sort of joining at the, the middle of last season then getting injured and missing it again he's not really done anything um, if you're talking about who the best attacking player is it's probably been Ivan Dolcek um, but they just don't they just seem to they just draw everything it's what what I don't even know how you begin to analyze a side like them um, they cannot possibly keep it up which means if they cannot possibly keep it up they end up losing games and that's the thing that should be quite concerning for them um, because I think Garicha in behind have a improvement in them Sibenik probably don't have an improvement in them at the minute and you have them there on 13 points you have Rijeka the next side above them who you know are going to be better because they can't be worse you have Lokomotiv just above them who have a big uh, reinforcement in um, Gashavenda coming back from injury and you have Garicha who we'll, we'll, we'll mention in a second um, it's quite hard to see where Sibinik's improvement comes from Nico Rack is a brilliant player um, whole uh, sort of at the, at the base of the midfield but he's not going to win you games on his own and that's what they need they need a someone just to score goals basically um, Duye Chop is not that person um, I regrettably say for him um, you know he had a few very good seasons in uh, in Belgium and Spain but you know this unfortunately it just looks like he's declined really quickly um, and yeah he's just not not the man they need right now so they need reinforcements up front they need creative reinforcements as well um, you know Ivan Delic as top scorer and top assister as centre forward but you know that's three and two they don't score enough um, you know, if we talk about Sibinik's record, they scored 10 goals a season. That is the worst record in the division. Um, <laughs> can you kind of wonder how you can be averaging only just over half a goal a game and be able to be anywhere near uh, safety? Uh, which is what they are at the minute. <laughs> it's important to point out. Um, I think this season can't can only get worse unless they bring in some real reinforcements this season um, we'll see with them because what happens to them depends mainly on Garicha below them so let's talk about Garicha so the gap from Sivnik back to Garicha is six points which is a pretty big gap um, and they have issues they have a new manager firstly uh, in Zerkoshovic, um, who a little bit is taking a bit of a fool's errand. Um, I think if we're entirely honest in terms of how Garicha were for the first half of this season. What Garicha's problems are, they're pretty similar to what we identified at the start of the season. Their goalkeeping situation ain't great. Um, they have had to uh, rely upon Ivan Balic as their main keeper, Carlos Diga coming in from Chelsea hasn't worked out for them. Banic, I watched him enough at Olympia to know he was absolutely terrible. Um, he was worse than terrible. Um, he probably cost them the title. Um, 
they have still a lot of talent in the squad. You know, Chris May, Chris Malich is still a very good centre back. Um, when you go forward, Tony Fruk is still a very good midfielder. Yuji Prasia is still a very good midfielder. Um, Josef Mitrovic is still very good at this level. Denny Juric comes in on loan. He can score plenty of goals. Kaya da Cruz has a lot of potential, hasn't necessarily delivered it in terms of numbers, I think it's fair to say, but you know, he has the talent to. They have the talent to turn it around at the club, it's whether they do or not. Um, and if we were talking about their issue, it is that they concede too many goals. Um, they concede too many and they don't score enough. Um, which is what Sibinik do as well, but Sibinik draw games, Garicha lose. Um, you know, we talk about um, some of their more positive results of the season. Well, actually, if you talk about the more positive results of the season, it's in defeat. Um, you know, they've only won one this season, which was against Lokomotiva. Uh, probably the best performance was uh, losing 1 0 to Dinamo, uh, where they were really competitive, and Orsic bailed them out uh, in the 94th minute um, for a 1 0 win there for Dinamo. Uh, so they surely can have that resolve, they just always seem to concede a goal and they always seem to have a mistake in them and that's what's really let them down so far this season if you can tighten it up then they can deliver if you talk about the incomings that they've had in the winter you know uh valentino mistorovic uh has come in he was obviously decent at hatsky dragobarach last season but he was decent in terms of the fact that he scored a lot of goals from the spot um which isn't entirely really a talent garicha need um <laughs> I, I I can score goals from the spot. Um, that doesn't mean you should offer me a contract. Um, let's be entirely honest. You, you shouldn't offer me a contract. I've got a bum knee. Um, so, yeah. There's problems there. Um, obviously, I've, I've mentioned Denny Jurich. Denny Jurich is gone now. Um, he's back on the... He's spending the rest of the season at Rijeka. Um, it's difficult to know whether they do because... They will get better. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, they have too many good players to not get better. But six points is a big gap. And if Sibinic continue being inexplicable, then you're talking about them getting up to 25 points, let's say. Dugaricha, in the remaining 20 games of their season, are they able to get eight wins? Seven, eight wins. If they, get, if, they get, if they get eight wins, they will you know, absolutely be safe. I don't think there's any doubt about that. If they get six wins, then you're talking touch and go. Um, they open up against uh, home to Farazdin, their rescheduled game, then away at Dinamo and away at Osijek, which is quite scary. Um, so the big game, really, is going to be February the 5th, um, which is the current schedule for the game against Shibnik, which they host. They have to win it. There's absolutely no ifs, no buts there. If they win that game, then that is at least half of that gap back to Shibnik already eaten up. Um, and you would think it would be enough for them to kick on for some positive results for the rest of the season. If they lose that game, then my, oh my, they're gone. They're gone um, because Stivinik, you know, for all 
sort of joked about their form. They're resolute. They don't lose games. They're not going to go on a five or six game losing streak between here and the end of the season. They're not going to do that. Um, Doricha might. And you can't be affording to give them a bigger gap because as we sort of hinted at Sibinik, we know Lokomotiva have reinforcement in cash vendors, so we know they're going to get better. We know Rijeka are going to get better because they're not going to get worse. Um, Easter, uh, Easter are already probably too far away from Garicha. So, yeah. There's big scary things there. Uh, and Sibinik have the only side I think it's really realistic that they catch. Um, what they need to do is they need to win their rearranged game against Farrestine. I don't think it's too likely, sort of, because of the things we mentioned at the open um, about how the transfer windows fallen for them, um, as in not helpfully. Um, and they need to beat Stimnik. And if you can, we know Stimnik are Stimnik can only inch away from you. Stimnik can't race away from you. So getting at three points means you are going to be close to them, uh, which is a very obvious statement to make, and uh, I realise sounds very stupid. Um, we'll see with them, and I think a lot of this is we'll see. Um, they need to, they need to start hot. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, if they are to stay up, so that is our half to report for the high NL. Uh, I appreciate we spent like 15 minutes of that talking just about Dinamo's backroom machinations um, because they needed to be talked about we'll probably, I'm sure we'll revisit that in March or so when um, the actual AGM is meant to be it does look like in positive news if you do like watching the now, um to watch highlights this season you've had to go onto the T-Portal website it does kind of look like because they've actually uploaded everything onto YouTube now that it is going to be a bit easier to watch um, Hainel highlights um, for the remainder of the season, which is a very important, it's an underrated thing uh, for a lot of people, but it's important to me um, because it means I have to, to go to less effort. <laughs> um, it means I have to stop going on to sofa school, swiping back a day. All right, it's up now. Go. Do, 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 do. Um, it can just pop up in my subscriptions, which is about all the effort I'm really willing to make, um, which I'm sure is something that would surprise you after I've just talked for an hour and 20 odd minutes about the high NL. Yeah. <laughs> On that bombshell. Now, thank you, as always, very much for listening. Um, if you've enjoyed this podcast, sharing is caring, please do let someone know if you thought it was in any way shape or form good please do leave a review on your chosen podcasting service because i'm sure it feeds into an algorithm somewhere and is some assistance if you want to know the latest happenings and please do follow me on twitter at hyfprw um there's been plenty on there uh, for the past couple of days about uh, misa vorsic and there'll be plenty more going on as well about um the upcoming goings on in the transfer market in Croatia um, yeah so that is it for the three big uh, three big um, half to report I probably will do a little run through of the other leagues um, because I didn't at the start of the season um, I normally do I just didn't have time uh, I probably don't have time now to do it but I'll say I'll make an effort to do it and that will hopefully uh, commit me to disappointing you all um, thank you very much for taking the time to listen uh, a very happy new year to you all 
and I will catch you next time.